This is Lisa Miller and Associates, Florida Insurance Roundup, your podcast on the people, issues, and regulations shaping Florida's insurance market. Now, here's Lisa Miller. Welcome, friends. This is part two of Florida's private flood insurance market. To listen to part one, be sure to go to lisamillerassociates.com. Florida's private market is growing while Congress tries to find its way with potential fixes to the beleaguered National Flood Insurance Program, or commonly called NFIP. Aided by new state legislation this year designed to encourage a robust private market in Florida, the number of insurance companies writing flood policies in the Sunshine State now stands at 20. And the good news is that the NFIP monopoly has some competition. Behind the scenes are actuarial experts, catastrophe modelers, and third-party vendors helping to make this a reality. And we'll talk with one of these people on today's program and our look at the new advances in flood insurance and the technology around it. Many of our listeners know that wind mitigation techniques are all but perfected with our understanding the wind engineering science behind protecting openings and windows and tying down roofs and walls. But flood mitigation, that's a new frontier. As Congress considers reauthorizing the NFIP program beyond its September expiration date, how to incentivize and in some cases mandate flood mitigation is part of the legislation and the discussion surrounding it. Of course, Florida is one big peninsula, as we all know, A recent report by CoreLogic shows that the Tampa Bay area, for example, is the third most at-risk area in the country for flood. Almost 460,000 homes are at risk from tidal storm surge from the Gulf of Mexico and Tampa and Hillsborough Bays. The cost to rebuild those homes is estimated at nearly $81 billion, and that's with a B. Florida is about 40% of the national flood insurance program market, and our policyholders only receive a dollar for every $4 they pay into the program. So how can mitigation save on our policy premiums? Joining us now on the Florida Insurance Roundup is Mike Graham, CEO of Smart Vent Products, the single most effective flood mitigation device in the country. Mike has been working with modeling firms that are part of the new technology, leading to a better assessment of risk and more affordable flood insurance rates among private market companies. Mike, thanks for joining us. Hey, Lisa, I'm thrilled to be here. I appreciate that. So tell us about these smart vents and tell us about your company and some of the great things that you're doing. 18 years ago, we started our business because there was a need in the marketplace for a product that could allow flood water to go into an enclosed area below the base flood elevation. So into a crawl space or into a garage and relieve what's called the hydrostatic pressure. And even back that Many years ago, there was an incentive through the NFIP to lower flood insurance premiums. And so what we started, what we thought we were going to do was develop a a stainless steel flood vent. And what our business has evolved into is helping people figure out how they can lower their flood insurance premiums. And that's really been the most exciting part of our business business over all these years. We've really spent a lot of time understanding the building codes, understanding the FEMA regulations, but more importantly, understanding the disconnect sometimes between the flood insurance agent and the homeowner and what they can do to lower that flood insurance premium. So I'm excited about the fact that these vents 
make a difference. And I want you to tell the audience how they work. And in my mind, it reminds me of what happens in Key West. When the water rushes in Key West, people are on their porches, they open their screen doors, they sweep the water out, and they go back to Sloppy Joe's for margaritas. Your vent seems to me to take that old folklore, folklore practice and put technology behind it. How does it work? As floodwater from a storm starts to build up against a foundation or a garage, let's say, there's tremendous pressure or force against that wall. And if we can let that floodwater go through that wall and fill up on the inside and the outside of that building at the same pace, then there's no pressure or what's called hydrostatic pressure uh, that's pushing on that foundation wall. And that's by far the number one claim, the most expensive claim that a homeowner can have during a flood. It's also the most time-consuming repair to be made because you have to jack up the house, reshore that foundation, pour new cement and block. So if we can relieve that hydrostatic pressure by letting the floodwater go through the building, just like you said in the Keys, just open the doors, let the floodwater run through the house. Sounds a little bit crazy, but they've been doing it for 100 years there. Um, the concept is exactly the same. We're gonna, everything's going to be wet in that, in that lower area, but we're not going to have that structural damage, and in, that's the key. In essence, your product is finding a way to put new practices into the Florida market and across the country. I also, in our conversations, you've put this in practice in the Northeast, and I know I hear a lot about what we call the New Jersey story when you were in Washington visiting with some of the key policymakers there, I've heard you tell this story. I'd love our audience to hear what happened in New Jersey and the technology and the analysis behind it. Yeah. And, and, and we do this nationally in, in uh, parts of Florida and um, have and the rules, both the NFIP rules, whether you're in Alaska or whether you're in New Jersey are exactly the same, but the situation that we had, uh, in this New Jersey application was this two mile, two square mile area where we had really great flood data. We knew the, the velocity of the flood water. We knew the flood heights. We knew the claims that were submitted to the NFIP. And it was a combination of both residential and commercial. And so with that information, we were able to then model in vents into the homes and the buildings that didn't have them and hit the button again and run the flood, essentially create the exact same flood. And what we found was that there was zero damage. So the water was able to go in and go through the building and run out the other side. But what was really interesting is that inside of those basements and those crawl spaces, the, those areas trapped the water and it held the water in there. And so because it filled up those spots, the height of the flood water was reduced in that overall community by one inch. Now, one inch might not seem like a lot, but if FEMA says that if one inch of flood water gets into your living space, that could cost $20,000 worth of damage. So in only this two square mile area, to reduce the flood height by one inch was really a dramatic difference. Wow. And I know NFIP was thrilled to know that this was actually a business case for them to see the effect, positive effects of reducing loss by this particular one inch difference. Well, they incentivize. So they incentivize homeowners to build in this way because they know and they've seen for 25 years that this dramatically reduces claims. And, right? and, and going forward, 
what kind of savings it reduces claims it also reduces mm -hmm. premiums so what is fema saying in terms of a premium reduction if someone is smart enough to use smart vent well and it's dramatic if i've got a home let's say i've got a uh, slab on great home in florida and i've got a, a garage slab that's lower than that and i don't have proper vents in that garage in the garage wall then you're going to be rated from that garage slab instead of from your higher first floor. And your premium in that home, if it's not properly vented, could be $2,500 to $3,000. If it's vented properly, your premium is going to be $700. And $700 is the average premium that people want to look for. when. Uh, so people ask us all the time, well, how do I know I'm paying too much? I've got a nice home and uh, yeah, I'm paying $2,000. That seems reasonable. What you should be paying is $700 for flood insurance. If you're paying any more than that, then maybe there's a reason, but maybe there's a mitigation effort that you can take on that will give you a really great return, very quick return on your investment to get that premium down to $700. And, the, and is it our insurance agent that helps us get to that pathway? Who helps us get there, Mike? It is. Your insurance agent is, is really the key to this entire thing. Now, insurance agents at times have their hands tied because there's a document called an elevation certificate that you should have and that data is done by a surveyor it might cost between 200 and 800 dollars to get an elevation certificate but that tells the insurance agent at what height that lower slab is and that first floor what height they are exactly so a lot of people will say to their agent well i've been here for 60 years and i've never had a flood that's not how they rate you. They rate you on the actual data and all those heights. So if that insurance agent has that elevation certificate, they can go in and figure out how they can reduce your premium. Yet, it is still complicated. And it's so complicated that we set up a separate division and we have, uh, we have experts that take those elevation certificates and it's through our flood risk evaluation program where they'll go through and they'll evaluate somebody's home, give them a report and say, if you do this, this, and this, then your new premium is going to be that. That's huge, Mike. And I think there is some statistics out there that elevation certificates in and of themselves um, have error rates that are kind of high. So that is something that I know that Congress is looking at. In addition to what Congress is looking at are some of the new proposals to fix the NFIP program. One of those deals with uh, providing incentives for people to mitigate their structures. Another one deals with how we can um, make sure that we uh, mandate that homeowners across the country buy flood insurance, not just someone in a, in a flood risk zone, because that would be spreading the risk. You know, there's also one that wants to buy out properties that repeatedly get damaged. What are some of your thoughts about uh, properties like that and just overall some of the ideas that are being kicked around before we get to September? Well, sure. So repetitive loss and severe repetitive loss are these two categories that you talked at, about where, you know, some people have been flooded 10 times and have submitted 10 claims and they rebuild exactly the same way they did before. And, and we keep paying time after time. That's ridiculous. But for us, pre-mitigation disaster money. So money that comes to people as an incentive to mitigate are, really makes a big difference. So for FEMA statistics show that for every dollar of fixing stuff before the storm is spent, then you have four times less claims after the fact. So the federal government is really good at 
putting a lot of money out after everything happens, but putting the money out prior. And that could be lifting a home. That could be putting in vents. That could be lifting mechanicals. There's a lot of tools that you can employ to reduce that premium and and reduce risk. And some of the other ideas I'm hearing about this new dry proofing, it's really not new, but you've kind of perfected that as well. Tell us what dry proofing is all about. Our business was based on wet flood proofing and flood vents are wet flood proofing, meaning the water comes in, everything gets wet, but we're not going to have structural damage or reduced structural damage. Dry flood proofing can only be used on commercial buildings. And dry flood proofing is where you put some kind of a gate or some kind of a temporary wall in front of an opening or in front of a, uh, a, a building or surround a building when the flood's coming. Okay, and you keep the flood water from coming in, so you keep the building dry versus wet. And so we partnered with ILC Dover, which is uh, just a great company. They've made every spacesuit for NASA from the beginning of the the space program, and they're a materials company. So the way we looked at it with this, with these products was, what is the complication to deploying systems like this? And so heavy. Heavy aluminum logs has really been the standard in the industry. And so what uh, ILC Dover has done with our help and assistance is created a whole family of Kevlar-based, material-based, flexible, stored-in-place products. So I could take essentially a Kevlar shower curtain that's mounted in front of a municipal building. And one person your size can open up a cabinet when, when the flood's coming and pull the shower curtain across a building that can be 20 feet wide by 10 feet high, lock it on the other side and deploy that in 10 minutes. But what's really interesting is that, let's say the flood doesn't come like Matthew. Now it came in some places, but it wasn't as horrific as it could have been. But I close this thing up, the flood doesn't come. Uh, as soon as the flood goes by and, and uh, we get the warning that we can come back to our building, we can unlatch this thing and pull that shower curtain back and now our business is open again. And some communities found after Hurricane Sandy, when they deployed these heavier systems, that it took them two weeks because the big people, the the machinery and the people that it took to deploy them, all those people left, right? They ran from the storm. And so it took a long time for those buildings to get back open. That's why we're really excited about this product. Well, it sounds very innovative, and I know we'll be hearing more about it. So in essence, what we're hearing today from you, and, and I know you've got a great team behind you, is that technology is making the resiliency of structures uh, you know, more effective than ever, whether it's dry flood proofing, whether it's vents. Um, you know, the, the catastrophe models are going to be including, we hope, these technologies, and that ultimately affects insurance rates. And we're more encouraged than ever that we can have these conversations and that we're raising awareness, Mike. And I'm just so thrilled that you've been on the program with us today. Any closing thoughts for our listeners before we move on and, and keep watching what Congress is doing in Washington? Well, you know, we're really excited about the private market because just like when you started and you talked about wind mitigation and everybody in Florida knows about the importance of three nails versus two and straps and and the the effect it has on the premium, what we've seen is that the private market in the same way is saying, what is it that you can do to mitigate to reduce those premiums? And if it's something like vents, then we're going to really weigh that heavily on 
the reduction in premium. So if there's a reduction in, in claims, you're going to have a reduction in premium. And we really see, like you said, that this is the beginning, just like wind mitigation was. We think this is what's going to happen with flood and private insurance. Wonderful. And Mike Graham, CEO of SmartVent Products, thank you again for being with us on the Florida Insurance Roundup. Great work. Thank you, Lisa. It was great to be here, and I appreciate it. So hopefully you, our listeners, agree that mitigation is important, whether it's mitigating the impact of wind or floods, especially if you live in Florida and currently have flood insurance through the federal NFIP. Collectively, Florida makes up almost 2 million of the NFIP's 5 million flood insurance policies. And so far, we have been subsidizing the rest of the country with expensive rates that we keep paying day after day. As we've heard, there's got to be a better way. New technology and, and, and smart vent products and, and dry flood proofing included in catastrophe models will help us better analyze risk and ultimately, hopefully, reduce our insurance rates and reduce losses. And actually, these uh, technologies will be specific to individual properties as we get more granular in the technology. Together with Florida's modernized insurance regulation that is encouraging private market alternatives and greater consumer awareness, our communities and citizens stand to gain big time. But those living in homes near the water, which is all of Florida for that matter, we need to take personal responsibility for our particular situation and learn about the choices of insurance and the mitigation products that are available. And we hope that in today's program, we've given you a a step forward and a step um, toward the road of what I'll call understanding mitigation. And I want to hear from you. Have you experienced flooding yourself? If flood insurance were more affordable, would you buy it? What do you think is wrong with the current NFIP system and what needs fixing? You can call us and leave your question or comment for our later reply right here on the Florida Insurance Roundup. The number to call is 850-388-8002. Again, that's 850-388-8002. Or drop us an email. I'll get it personally at Lisa Miller at lisamillerassociates.com. On this podcast show notes page, you'll find the bills and reports we've referenced in today's program, along with information about Mike Graham and his company, SmartVent Products. Also, the top 10 facts about the National Flood Insurance Program are there for you as well, and they detail NFIP policy limits and some of the shortcomings. You'll also find a link to the Florida Office of Insurance Regulations list of flood insurance companies that are writing private flood insurance in our great state. If you missed part one of the program, we hope you'll go back and listen to it as well. You know we'd love to hear your thoughts on the issues and topics that we've discussed today or any other topic that interests you, so please let us hear from you. We've got a passion about what we can do to make the market better and to work with our clients in any way that we can. That's it for today's Florida Insurance Roundup. Thank you for being a part of it. I'm Lisa Miller. Until next time, be safe. This has been Lisa Miller and Associates, Florida Insurance Roundup, your podcast on the people, issues, and regulations shaping Florida's insurance market. For more information on today's program, please visit us on the web at www.lisamillerassociates.com.